Evolutionary at War podcast coming away, guys. It's episode 389 QA. Steve Smee here and the Rickster in the house. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing out there? Good, good. So, guys, we have five great topics, four steroid questions, and a relationship question tied to steroid use. So, the first one is Are steroids legal? around the world so i think we discussed something like this maybe one time this podcast but um you know we really should discuss this because a lot of guys now pandemic starting to die down a little bit guys are going to start traveling again or um to different countries um so what countries do what are the laws around the world with steroids what are the laws with bringing steroids back if you buy them overseas, can you bring them back to the United States? What are the laws about transferring steroids from one country? And then let's like, let's say you went from your home country, Rick, Colombia, across the uh, border to Venezuela. Would the, the customs in Venezuela stop you, search you, find your steroids, and then arrest you? Or is it okay to take steroids from country to country? And uh, tell us all about the steroid laws. Um, tell us what you know about them around the world. All right, well, steroid laws are where to start, where to start. I, I, want, I, want to, I want to not confuse everybody and give all the info. Let's start with first world, because I call it first world to third world, right? First world. U.S., they're illegal a half to use, to, to sell, to everything. And if you are caught with, with a, a, an okay amount of them in your car or any amount of them in your car, you could, uh, you could face some serious charges. Canada. You could possess it. Not the biggest problem in the world if you possess it, as far as I know. I could be wrong. Maybe if you're Canadian, make sure to comment or or put a, a message or or come to uh, evolutionary.org forward slash forums. And then the forums make a big threat and tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. But as far as I know, Canada, you can't you can have them in your possession. You can't just sell them and you can't and you can't have huge quantities. Uh, other places like Australia, you're kind of not supposed to have them, but if you do, small amounts, not the end of the world, but definitely selling them a boo-boo. Same thing with the UK. In some places, they just don't, they're not going to put you in jail for being a regular user and having a couple bottles here and there. If they catch you selling, you will. The only place that might put you in, say, in, in jail for uh, for small possession might, 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 might be the US. The US might might process you over that where some of these other first world countries might not can't be importing them in there. Chances are you're going to get in trouble. If you import them, Sly Stallone got in trouble for, I think he was going into Australia with some of his TRT medication. Yeah. He had a prescription for, they gave him shit about it, even though he came with it, you know, bringing it across borders with your medication, with your script could be a problem. This is all first world, you know, going UK to us, us to, to Canada, to Australia, Germany, you know, to some place, some of these places like that. Once you get into places like maybe a little bit second world, like Greece and places like that, again, there could maybe sort of be something in the books, but it's not enforced. They don't, they don't, they don't give a fuck. They don't care. It's not really an issue. Um, and even selling them might might not even be that big of a deal. Now, when you 
go to third world places like South America, like Mexico, Colombia, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Venezuela, they don't give a flying fuck. Like most third world countries, they might have some really complex and complicated laws on the books about steroids and how to handle them and how to manage them and how to not. Um, because every third world country, part of what keeps them in the third world country, is just crazy heavy amounts of paperwork regulation. So much so that even some of the regulators, some of the customs people, custom border, customs border people might not even know what, what the fuck they're doing. Because there's so much weird stuff on the books. Like in some places, believe it or not, you could have an underground lab bottle of testosterone or, or one without a label, and you're kind of fine having it there. The simple possession of it is it's all, it's all gravy. But if you have a, a Bayer or sharing approved medication bottle of testosterone and you don't have a script, then you might be doing something wrong. But if that, bo if that bottle wasn't, is not an approved brand medication that's in commerce, uh, you don't need a script. It's fine possession. No, no problem. But if you have the bottle that's human grade that you can usually buy from the pharmacia without even a script. If the cop wants to be a dick or if the cop even understands the law and knows about it, he's call you on it and you might have to give him 20 bucks. So um, it's, you know, Dominican Republic, all these places you go, um, steroids are no problem. If you know where to go, you go to some of the supplement stores and you, see, you just look for a fucking guy that looks like he's on juice. They'll most likely to not help you. Um very, very rarely enforced. You know, once in a while to do a, a show for the press in third world countries, some in once in a while to do a show for the press, uh, they'll, they'll set up a task force and then maybe bust a bunch of athletes one time. And then they leave everybody alone. You know, they just, like something dumb like that, that, that might might actually happen. But yeah, that, that's about it, man. That's my whole spiel on, on steroids you know, around the world. And if you listen, if you buy some steroids outside of the US, never bring them back. Don't just don't fucking bring them back. Don't Australia, all these places, just don't don't bring it back. I'm going to I'm going to give you a very hypothetical story. I'm going to give you a really I'm going to give you a good hypothetical story. OK, here it is. You, you go out, you go out of the country and you grab some juice. And then you go online somewhere, and you figure out the absolute best way to bring it undetectable. They won't they just won't be able to just find that shit right away, even if they look through it. Right. So you, you get the juice abroad, you, you pack it up yourself, you bring it here. And let's say when you come in, you know, hypothetically, obviously, it's a whole hypothetical scenario. Your number comes up and they do in customs enforcement. And then you're standing in front of a customs officer. He starts opening your shit. He's not really looking at the bag. He's looking at you, dude. And you're going to get nervous. Unless you're a career criminal, you're going to get fucking nervous. You're going you're gonna to look, look crazy to him. And he's going to keep knowing something's up. And then he'll start feeling around and watch your eyes and, and you'll know how do you react. It's like a, they're, they're like, they become human lie detectors. And he'll start touching around and see what you react to what he's touching. And you let him know if he's getting warm or cold just with your, just with your demeanor. So you're going to get fucking busted. Okay. Unless you're a career criminal and you can poker face the shit through, through a custom, uh, through a customs check. You're, you, He's going to know you, you're nervous and he's just going to keep, he's going to stay on you until he finds. So don't fucking do it, dude. You're not, you know, you're not, you're not about that life. You're not about that life. You ain't built for that. Just, just cut it out. Don't bring anything on yourself. Don't be, don't be an idiot. Don't bring nothing yourself. 
and uh, just, you know, just use a reliable source. Fuck it. If you can afford it, go to a TRT clinic or use a reliable source. And do not ever cross borders coming, especially coming from the third world. You're already under scrutiny. Don't ever. First of all, don't do something stupid. Like, it'd be really dumb for you to bring juice from the U.S. to the U.K. It's, it's just stupid. It's just as hard to get at both places. And you you just, you added a bunch of mileage to drugs like Drugs, drug dealers make money on that mileage and you just did it for free, like stupid. That's dumb. And if, and if you buy it in the third world out, out where it's cheap at Pharmacia, don't try to fly into it with your first world country with your fucking you know, citizenship blue passport and, and you're looking nervous and you start sweating and you look jacked. You look like you're in juice too. Like, come on, man. Don't, just don't fucking do it to you. That's all I got to say about it. What do, what do you guys say? So a couple of observations, Ray. I've been to these countries where you can just walk in the pharmacy and get steroids. You would think, you know, in these countries, everybody be walking around ripped and jacked and muscular. It's, it's the opposite. There's way more Americans that look that way. And I've been to the gyms in these countries too. And everyone's like fucking skinny and scrawny. And it's like, so that's the misconception that people don't understand. Just because steroids are legal in a certain country doesn't mean everybody's walking around jacked, okay? A lot of people just don't give a shit, you know? Um, another thing too, Rick, if steroids were legalized in the United States, that would be the worst fucking thing ever for Americans who want to use steroids. Worst fucking thing ever. You know why? Because steroids like Trembolone, Equipoise, these are not, they, they don't, they would not exist. Pharmaceutical companies would not produce them. Okay. There wouldn't be a market to produce these things for people. To, that, that's the only reason they'd ever produce them is to, to make people juice. Pharmaceutical companies don't want to produce drugs for people in fitness. They want to produce drugs for like the 70 year old old person who's on, you know, Medicare. Okay, who, you know what I'm saying? Who's on like six different drugs. That's who pharmaceutical companies gear their drugs to. So if you if you want steroids to be legalized in the United States, get ready to pay four, five, ten times what it costs now if you want it legalized. That is the worst fucking thing that can ever happen because testosterone is so cheap to produce. A pharmaceutical company probably pays 50 cents for a vial of testosterone and they turn around, they sell it for 50, 60 bucks through your insurance company. They make a little profit. Your insurance company jacks up your premiums, blah, blah, blah. Everyone, everyone goes home happy. Imagine an expensive steroid that's out there like Primabolin. Okay. Imagine a Primabolin was legal to be sold by a pharmaceutical company. It probably costs like a, like freaking a thousand dollars a vial. Okay, so at the end of the day, people are still going to go into the black market to get anabolic steroids in the United States, even if they were legalized tomorrow. That would, that was, and, and because you'd be paying a fortune and you probably still have to get a prescription for them. You'd get, have to get a prescription for Primobol and Trembolone and Equipoise and all these. So it makes absolutely no sense. Just like marijuana, marijuana has been legalized in many, many states. In the United States, within the next, five years or 10 years, it's going to be legalized federally, but doesn't mean that people out there who like smoking pot every day are going to go and buy pot from an actual place and pay the tax on that pot because they're going to end up paying two, three times what they, what they usually pay for the kid down the street who hooks them up with a dime bag. 
So, so really like that's the worst fucking thing ever. Um, that's that, you know, anabolic standards be legalized in the United States. And it doesn't like Americans like think if you never travel around the world, you think, oh yeah, these countries that Rick's talking about where you can just walk in the pharmacy and get it. You go to the fucking Dominican Republic. I was just there like a year ago. I didn't see a single Jack person. You know what I'm saying? They're all scrawny people. They're fucking scrawny. I didn't see any muscular person. So just because steroids are legal doesn't mean that everyone's going to walk around Jack. People just don't give a fuck. Okay. It's, it's not something people give a fuck about like in these countries, you know, it's just something there. And uh, I'm not even sure like who some, some of the, some of the dudes can get pretty broad, like natty anyway, too. But I mean, what is the market in these countries? Like steroids are legal. What is the market for them to sell the steroids to who, I mean, these people, you know, they make fucking, you know, 75 cents an hour, bro. That's their salary. Like how the fuck can they afford? When I was in the Dominican Republic, I'll tell you, I'll tell you about that. If you're really, if you're really interested, I'll tell you about it. Well, I mean, the people in Dominican, they drive around in scooters. Why? You know why? Because they can't afford to buy cars because cars are too expensive for them to buy on their salary. So you know what I'm saying? So I'm just right, so I'm, let me tell you. Right, so let me tell you. So let me tell you. Yeah, I'm just making an observation. Just because steroids are legal in a country doesn't mean everyone's walking around Jack. That's that's my only point. No, you're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, that what you're saying is right because a lot of these uh, a lot of these countries they still have a, a culture where they push a lot of natural organic. Like natural organic has become a thing in the U.S. A fat recently. But because we've so far for so long have left that train of thought. But in some of these third world countries, it's still like that. That is why when you go drive, when you go drive around Dominican Republic or any place in South and Central America, you'll see cows on the fields when you drive around. Um, you know, it's you just you don't see that many cows on fields in the US. You see some corn fields everywhere. That they're that they're feeding to cows, and there's a lot of feedlots. When you go to some of these third world countries, a uh, grass-fed beef is the norm, not a special treat, because to them, because of their structure, it'd be more expensive to grow corn to to feed the, to feed it to the cattle and have these feedlots for cattle. It'd be, it costs more for them to do it that way. To them, it's actually cheaper to just throw, you know, uh, I think it's like one cow per uh, cows per acre or something like that that they do, and that's all you got. And um, they're still all about natural cures, natural this, natural that. Even though you can get antibiotics and some of these things uh, pretty quickly, they're not as quickly to use them as we are. Um, a lot of them, unfortunately, some of these places don't finish their antibiotics courses. Um, and once they feel good, they stop. Um, it's just, it's a different culture. It's a culture where they push more natural away from synthetic. But... American culture gets everywhere and these bodybuilders and DIFBB and all these dreams of the stage, you know, how Arnold left his, uh, his, his kind of be somebody big here. This is a, this is a dream shared by many, a, a little boys across the the world. And there's a lot of bodybuilders in these places and they all choose. One of the biggest differences is the pricing of the juice. See, when you buy steroids in the U S you're paying certain added on tax you know you're paying that black market tax you know the guys who risk their neck to risk to bring the stuff into the country and to get it to you they want to get his aid but in these third world countries where 
there isn't a huge risk where the entering the market is not is not very risky. Uh, these guy, the pricing stays very competitive. So I'll give you an example, a very clear example. Uh, a box of Pharmacon, all right, a box of Pharmacon Anvar. If you get it from someone domestically, domestically, you might be looking at paying between $140 to $200 for that box of Pharmacon Anvar. But if you buy that same box of Anvar, Pharmacon Anvar in South America, even the same brand, you, you, might, you might pay around 40 bucks for it. 40 to 50 bucks for it. Maybe if you buy it on with a bunch of other things, you might get a discount on it down to 30 something dollars. Now, it, no, no, it's not fake. And if you are listening to this and you are in the UK or in the US and, and Australia and you have a distributor's list because you, you big time like that. I know there's a lot of guys in the game listen to the podcast too and you're big time like that. And your pricing on that Pharmacon Anvar is more than $40. But I'm telling you that full-blown retail to the customer is $40 in, in South America. Look, dealer down there is buying that box of Pharmacon cheaper than $40. He might mine it for $20, bucks, okay? Um, $25, $30, you know what I mean? And he's on, and he's fine with just getting $10. He doesn't give a fuck. He's buying for $30, take it, bring it to your door and make $10 on it, and he's happy with that. So the pricing uh, structure changes for uh, for juice so guys in, in these countries where juice is not criminalized man i, I mean they're they getting are they getting the shit super super cheap compared to what what we pay up here in the states and even then even though they could pay very very cheap prices for some local brands that aren't well known they'll still there's still a market for like pharmacon and and dragon pharma and and some of these and and Geniza and some of these really well-known brands to have a foothold down there, Cooper Pharma out of India, they all have a, a foothold in these countries, even though bringing the shit from, bringing the stuff from India and Pakistan is already made and bringing it from these other places already made into the country is a lot more expensive um, than just making it locally. But American culture will get everywhere. And people in these countries, in Mexico and South America and Dominican Republic and in Argentina and Uruguay, Paraguay, they know they, if you're a juicer, you know about Falcon, you know about Geniza, you know about these these labs because you you read about it on the on the American forums and the American websites because Google translates everything to their language too. So just keep that in mind. So next time we're gonna talk about Rick. Let me pull it up right now. Is gonna be should I use an AI on a DECA proviron cycle? So this is a classic cycle that guys have been using since really the 60s. And Arnold used this cycle as well. He also liked to use Primabolin. He liked to use Dianabol. So those four, the Deca, the Proviron, the Dianabol, and the, uh, the Primabolin, those four were what they liked to use. And Deca Proviron stack is a classic old style stack. You gotta remember Deca Durobolin is testosterone. Same fucking thing. The only difference is the atom change. So that atom change makes it more mild, makes it aromatize about a fourth or a fifth as much as testosterone. So when you're running the DECA and the Proviron together, the Proviron does a good job. It's a DHT derivative, does a good job of not, it, obviously the, the Proviron does not aromatize estrogen at all, zero, but also helps bind to SHBG. 
and also helps control the estrogen a little bit. So any of the aromatization you're going to get with the DECA is going to be very slow. It's going to be very, very mild. So if you're stacking them together, just like the guys they used to do in the 60s and 70s and 80s, they would not run AIs because AIs did not exist. Aromatase inhibitors did not come around until the 90s. You know, and aromasin came even later. Aromasin is the most modern of the main AIs. So you had access to letrozone, you had access to uh, arimidex starting in the 90s and the early 2000s. And then in the late 80s, they started learning about using Novadex, which blocks estrogen from feedbacking back into the pituitary glands, but it's not an AI. Those are, that's a CIRM, a selective estrogen receptor modulator. So it's different than an AI, but that's all they had access to. So you, you hear some of these old, we call them old school bodybuilders, but they're really just, I don't know. I don't consider them old school. I consider them just ignorant because they haven't updated the information. They're still giving you information from like the late eighties and we're, we're in the 2020s here. You got to update your information. This is 40 years later. But um, so in this situation, if you're running just the deck and the provirin, I don't see a reason why you would need to run a Novadex or run an AI at all. Should not be an issue on cycle, won't be an issue because that, that DECA is aromatizing at a very slow rate in a very low amount. You combine that with the provirin, you would not have an issue. If you did have an issue, you would have saw guys in the 60s, 70s being all bloated and they weren't, you know, they were, you know, they, that was the golden age of bodybuilding. So it worked for them in the 70s so it's going to work for you in the 2020s. I mean, we have not evolved as human beings where, you know, things have changed and you suddenly need an AI for a cycle like this. So Jeff, I have some clients on this, this type of cycle. They're running a little testosterone with it, like 100, 150 milligrams a week of testosterone. And they're getting away with not using an AI, even with the testosterone added to this cycle. So if you eliminate that testosterone, you just run the deck on the provirin, I don't see any reason why you would need an AI with that. So that that's, you know, you can go ahead and do it. I mean, I would say less than 1%, less than 2% of people will have any issues on that cycle when it comes to uh, estrogen. You want to give a little note on that right before we move on? The, I'm not the DECA guy or the Proviron guy on the show. So I'm, uh, I'm going to just shut the fuck up on this one. Let's, let's keep rolling, man. Yeah, the blood work doesn't lie, guys. The blood work, that's the thing about... Uh, about this this game you can go get blood work you can literally order blood work today print it out and then go in tomorrow morning and get your blood work done and get results the very next day and the blood work won't lie so you guys want to run this cycle run it go get blood work three four weeks into cycle go run blood work and we'll see who's right we'll see we'll see who's right and i i'm i guarantee you i want you guys to do that i want you guys to run blood work very very important to know what's going on in your body You'll notice on a cycle like this, very, very mild. You won't notice issues like you would if you were running a more androgenic cycle. So go ahead and run blood work and you can see for yourself. It's right there in black and white. The blood work do not lie. So next one we're going to talk about, bringing in on this one, Rinz. Eric, is the best way to run primobolin? Is primobolin the best steroid? So I'll bring you on this. What's your opinion on this, uh, Rick? So Primobolin is a really good steroid. Uh, I like it. Um, I think it has its uses and, and it's got its applications because 
when it comes to primo, you want to you wanna use it properly to get your money's worth out of it, man. Otherwise, you're just kind of, you're kind of, kind of wasting it. So it's a good use for primo. Um, it's a good solid mass gainer during those caloric deficit runs. If you're doing some GW, some SARMs, some cu good cutting cycle, well, man, it's only steroid that's been that that's known to 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 bro science uh, to actually help you build mass while on a caloric deficit. It's like the only steroid that we know does that. We know others that really preserve mass or, or really help you dry up, uh, even with preserving mass. But the only one that really builds mass on a caloric deficit is Primo Bowen. And I think that if you're not using Primo Bowen on a caloric deficit, you might might be wasting it. Might be wasting. I'm talking to guys out there because obviously women is a different story for women, which I don't think they should be using primo anyway but the ones that do it's a different story but if you're if you're using primo and you're not on a caloric deficit um why are you paying that price for those effects okay okay I, I, unless you're using primo standalone primo standalone with with maybe a little trt dosage of testosterone or let's say you're already on trt and you run a hot 10-week cycle of primo bowling 400 500 mix a week that makes some sense too if you run it standalone because it's so low on side effects it makes permanent gains you know and and, and it, you, it's a good one to run you pay the price because you're going to make some solid permanent gains without suffering any side effects if at all so you run that standalone at four to five hundred milligrams a week six a thousand migs a week i've heard guys do a gram and then that that makes sense to me standalone maybe trt does may, maybe a psalm or two then you know gw and stuff if you're getting a caloric deficit then so i guess but but going going with that but to throw the money away how you should not use it is throw the money away on three four five hundred milligrams of primo a week and then you're going to throw trambolone and testosterone and that kind of stuff on top of that why would i do that because if you just subtracted the money you spent on the 500 primo and maybe filled those milligrams with some of these other steroids you just saved a ton of money and you'd probably made better gains better gains uh, you know bigger gains than on the primo bowling you know what I mean? So I guess long-winded, but that's my answer. Best and, and only ways to use Primo Bowling is standalone or with TRT dose of test. Pay the extra price for getting some, some side effect-free gains that are kept almost permanently, pretty much, or stacked in on a caloric deficit. And then it really shines. And then it really shines on a hardcore caloric deficit because uh, you, you'll keep and gain some mass. How you should not use it is tossing it in with along, with along with a bunch of other stuff as a bridge or as a bulking cycle or anything. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. What do you think, Steve? I think with Primo Bowen, um, you can look at it two different ways with Primo Bowen. You can look at it as it's a waste because you're spending all this money. It's a very expensive steroid. A cycle is going to cost you a thousand bucks if you do it right, right? Five, 600 milligrams a week over a course of 12 weeks. 
It costs you close to a thousand bucks to get quality Prima Ball in. So you can look at it. Well, you know, I'm going from A to Z. I'm driving my car from A, from this location to that location. I'm either going to drive a Ford truck from one location to the other. I'm going to drive a Tesla. You know, Tesla is going to blow the Ford truck away, right? It's going to be faster. It's going to get there quicker. But I mean, at the end of the day, like, if you want to gain like a certain amount of weight, if you want to get this much stronger, if you want to do this, you want to do that, there's other steroids that are going to blow Primo Bone away. So, you know, it's one of these things like I've gone for full circle with it. I ran a couple of Primo Bone cycles. The nice thing about Primo Bone is you're on it and you don't feel like you're on it. It's, it's one of those steroids that's so freaking mild that you don't notice that you're even taking anything. But over time, Let's say you haven't seen someone in 12 weeks and you run your primo cycle and you're working out good while you're on and all that good stuff. And then you see that person after 12 weeks, they're going to be like, you know what? You look, you look more muscular, but you're more cut. And those are the reactions that I've gotten from running primo bowling, but it's not going to blow you up 10, 15 pounds, but you'll gain a few pounds, but it's going to be quality pounds. So it's one of those things like, do you think it's worth it to spend a thousand bucks on a cycle and just have that difference after 12 weeks? And most of you, you know, you live, we live in a society today where we want the instant gratification. It's, if you want to know something, you Google it, you pull up your smartphone, you Google it. It's not like the old days. The old days, if you want to know something, you would go to the library, walk in there, you go to the bibliography or you go and ask the librarian, hey, where can I find a book on this or that? And they would point you to the section. You go to the section and sometimes that book won't be there because someone would have checked that book out. So you have to come back a few days later when the book came back and then check the book out and then read the book. That's how you acquired information. But nowadays it's so much quicker. So I don't know if enough people out there have the patience to run a Prima Bowling cycle, but let's say you want to do it. You want to see what it's all about. I would do five, 600 milligrams a week. I throw in a little bit of an androgenic kicker. Okay. I throw in a little, maybe some Debo, 10, 20 milligrams of Debo. That's exactly what Arnold ran. That's exactly what Arnold ran. He ran six, 700 milligrams a week of Primo and he ran a couple tabs of Debo a day. That's it. I mean, it's a very, very simple cycle. Or instead of the evil, you can throw in some testosterone, a little bit of testosterone, 100, 150 milligrams. That's it. You don't want to run a lot of testosterone with it. Let the primo do the, do the work. And then get good workout in and eat clean for 12 weeks, and you'll see a nice difference. That's the way I would run the primo. If I was, if I was going to run it again, that's how I would run it. So Give it a shot. You might like it, guys. Who knows? All right. So the next one we're going to talk about is proper ancillaries on cycle. So, um, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, we, th these couple topics that we talked about, Rick, were Primo, Deca, Proviron. If you're running those compounds without testosterone or with just a little bit of testosterone, your ancillaries on cycle are going to be much lower. You're not going to need an AI, for example. 
But in a normal cycle where you are running testosterone, let's say you're running four or 500 milligrams of testosterone and you're running some dianable, you're running these compounds that aromatize, right? You got to have an AI on cycle. You got to, because you cannot let estrogen get out of control on cycle. So aromacin, number one, AI to use. Aromatize inhibitor, number one. Why is aromacin the number one AI to use? Number one, it's gentle. It's good on your IGF-1 in your body. It's a suicide aromatized inhibitor. That means that it will disable the estrogen enzyme and prevent it from rebounding. So it's the most modern AI. Now, a lot of doctors out there, you guys who get your TRT from doctors or an anti-aging clinic, they put you on a lot of TRT. They put you on a high dose, and then they want to throw in an AI with it, okay? That's a topic for another day. We've talked about that before. That's wrong. You shouldn't need an AI if you're on a proper dose of TRT. But let's say you're, you know, you got you got a script and they put you on a bunch, like 200, 250 milligrams. They didn't want to put you in AI. They're going to put you on Aromadex. The reason they do that is because Aromacin is more modern. Not a lot of people know about it. Okay. And, the, and doctors, doctors haven't updated their knowledge on these, on these ancillaries. So but we on this podcast, Rick and I, we teach you guys the most modern way to run these steroid cycles. And if, if you want to modernize your cycles, you should choose aromacin over arimidex. And you most certainly should choose either aromacin or arimidex over letrozole. So letrozole, why is letrozole not a good idea? It's too harsh. It's too harsh and rough on the body as your AI. So you've got three IAIs, right? You got letrozole, arimidex, and aromacin. Aromacin is number one, ADEX is number two, and then letrozole is like something you would just use as a worst case scenario. You should not use letrozole as an ancillary. It should be like something you throw in if it's an emergency situation and you have gynecomastia developing and you're desperate. That's when you throw in the letro. Other ancillaries on cycle, you need support supplements for your liver and your organs. N2Guard is the one to use. Rick's company sells it, N2BM. You can go to Amazon or N2BM.com. They sell the N2Guard. That's going to help you with all your organs, not just your liver and your kidneys. It's going to help you with all your organs. So those are, those are two things that you need that are mandatory. And you should always keep them on hand. Even if you don't want to run them, you should always keep them on hand just in case. Even if you're running a cycle where you don't think that you're going to have estrogen issues, what if that Primo that you got is really testosterone and you're running 600 milligrams of Primo a week, but your source sent you testosterone instead? Because they do that a lot. It's called saving money. So what happens if you're two weeks into cycle and you start getting estrogen problems? What are you going to do? You want to have that AI always on hand regardless. So these are ancillaries, guys, that we need. What are the ancillaries, Rick? I always use Novadex with most of my cycles. I am prone to gynecomastia. Uh, it's very easy for it to come back on me. Just get a little fatty nipples. And I like keeping my chest dry. So I use a, a topical mix that I've, I've got just running out on me. And I might not be able to get it ever again. And Novadex uh, use that all the time with every cycle. Ar uh, aromacin, if you can look, arimastain, 
go to like your local meathead supplement store, the meathead supplement store and say, hey, do you have products with a rim stain in them? And if they still do, grab yourself bottles. That stuff is, in my opinion, if you take a high enough dose of it, just as effective as aromacin, in, in my opinion, in my view, and, and in my experience with it. So uh, arimastain, also a great one to have. 50 to 100 to 100, even 150 makes a day of arimastain. It's a good anti-estrogen. Aromacin, obviously, like I said, great anti-estrogen. We know about it already. Um, I would use aroma. I mean, I can't remember the last time I used arimidex or, or letrozole, you know, femara. It was just no, 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 no. Aromacin, Novadex, and Arimistane. Those three have been, and I should say, uh, um, topical form of stain that I I got a little tiny bit left just nipples here when I'm when I'm losing body fat. But auxiliaries for anti e right. Uh, there's other. Um, I'm just talking about anti estrogen because if we. We would need a whole podcast to talk about every auxiliary for everything. And then obviously my product that Steve uh, uh, Steve just mentioned, uh, and hcgenerate.com, hcgenerate.com, also n2guard.com, n2guard.com. Make sure to do all of that and, yeah, go to those websites and, and hit it, man. You'll be Those are the two auxiliaries you need, n2guard.com. N2guard takes care of uh, organs and uh and to generate.com, HC generate takes care of your of your libido and your testosterone production. So you are uh, your gravy set to go, man. So that's what we're gonna talk about. I'm gonna let Rick rant on this one, but I, I gotta chime in first. Do steroids ruin relationships? So right off the bat, guys, you know, we always tell you guys your first few cycles, you shouldn't run trembolone. Well, there's a reason for that. Trembolone is like giving your 16-year-old kid a Lamborghini as their first car. You just don't do it. You know, they're going to crash it into a tree. They're going to drive it into a ditch. It's not going to end well. So uh, it's probably better to give your kid like a Honda or Hyundai or something as their first car. That was my first car, by the way, a Hyundai. That car was, uh, that car was a beast. Um, so the reason Trembolone, guys, screws up relationships is Trembolone – really screws with your prolactin and dopamine levels in your brain. And it causes, it's basically uh, dopamine is like your reward center. Like if you've ever gambled, let's say you play a slot machine and you pull the thing down and the thing goes and you boom, you hit, you hit it, right? You hit the jackpot and then your money comes out. You know, you get that little, you get that excitement, you know, that brief excitement. Or let's say a girl that you like texts you and you get the little beep on your phone. You look at it and it's the girl saying, you know, talk, you know, hitting you up in the morning saying, hey, baby, I miss you or something. You get that little feeling right in your brain, a little dopamine rush or or eating that slice of uh, New York style greasy pizza, you know. Just, it's not the pizza that that tastes good. It's that reward center in your brain, that dopamine rush that you get. It just makes you feel good, you know. And then we go back to the slot machine example. You 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 you, you hit that slot machine twenty times and didn't win anything. 
and then you hit it the twenty first time, you're already stuck a hundred dollars, and you hit it the and you hit something, you hit like fifty bucks on the slot machine, so you're still stuck fifty bucks. But that dopamine rush is why gamblers can't stop gambling. You know, it just takes that one hit, even though they're losing twenty times and they won once, and they're still losing money. They get that one hit and they do it. So it's the same thing. So when you take a trend, it makes these that dopamine effect even worse. So you're going to tend to, you know, that androgenic effect too kind of screws with your brain and you start doing, wanting to do stuff sexually that you would never do. Um, and you want to experiment sexually. Like, like what, Steve, you know, what, ha- what have you ran across? Like what, what have you wanted to do sexually on steroids that you normally don't? It's, it's uh, the thing I, I give you an example. If I'm in a relationship and I'm on trend, then I want to get out of my relationship. Like I want to date different women. I want to date different types of women. I want excitement. You see what I'm saying? But if I'm off the trend, I like the stability of a relationship and being balanced and everything. So that's, that's been my thing. Every time I've run trend, I've ruined my relationship for that reason. So that's that's the problem. So that's why trend oh. is the relationship killer. It's so that you, right, you, you want you that, stray. You want that. It's like my example, dude, with the slot machine. You want the excitement. You want that excitement. So you want to date because being in a relationship is boring. That's the whole point. That's the whole advantage of a relationship. It's boring, and it's it gets way more boring when you're on, when you're on steroids. It does get way more boring. When you run trend, you want the excitement of the date. You want the excitement of the chase. You want the excitement of the girl calling you back or the girl not calling you back. You want that action. You know, you want that excitement of the first time, you know, you kiss her, the first time you fuck her or something like that. So you miss that, you know, when you're. Buddy, I don't, I don't, I'll tell you what, man, I don't need, I don't need trend or steroids to like any of that. I'll tell you that, bro. I enjoy that shit just fine, Daddy. So, everything so at the end of the trend, day, you know. yeah, <laughs> at the end of the day, trend is the relationship killer. And I warn guys about this all the time, but they don't want to listen. So they run trend anyway, and it kills their relationship. So I'll let you finish out the show, Rick. Tell us a little bit about if you think steroids are really It's not just trend, by the way. If you're running an androgenic, something like anadrol, lots of testosterone, like these androgenic type of steroids, maybe the halo effect as well. These androgenic steroids, they, they do things to your brain that cause this, cause this type of feeling in your brain. I'll let you finish out the show with your final thoughts on this. All right. So, um, cameras rule relationships. All right. Let's take it step-by-step. First step is your significant other. Okay. With you using steroids. Do they know? If they don't know and they're not okay, you got a problem. It could ruin the relationship. If they know, but they're, they don't approve, it could ruin the relationship. If you're in one of those relationships where your, uh, your significant other can say, I can tell you, you can't put that in your body because I need you from where you're older and it could shave years of your life or any kind of dumb bullshit excuse like that. And so it gives them an up to tell you what you can do with your own health. But somehow your health is tied to their well-being, whatnot, which it kind of is, really, if you are married with someone or if you're, you know, if you're trying to make a life pair. 
And uh, when something like that comes about, maybe the steroid use itself won't really do anything to you. Maybe you'd be just fine. Maybe a little bit more temper, a little bit hornier. That's about it. But just the fact of the steroids being on the table, make it a problem. It makes it a thing. She's telling you not to put this in your body and you continue to do it. And if you do it, it's because you don't care about us, me and the kids and you don't die, you know, and you don't care. So you get into, you could get into something like that. That could very easily happen. So in those cases, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about shit. Just the fact that you are juicing, just that alone is enough for her to just be pissed off at you. And then obviously, the second step is like Steve mentioned, maybe you have a female that's, that's you know, lets you do your thing. Just lets you do whatever. Just show up to the game, dog. I don't care, you know, what you do. If you want to pump juice, that's fine. Show up to the game. You know, show up for your kids, show up for the for work, you know, just continue to be a good guy. Just do whatever the fuck you want. I won't say anything until I see a real problem, right? That's as the good, good kind of kind of girls. Um, you might end up using the steroids because she lets you and she's cool with it. And then you'll end up acting like an asshole in the way Steve said, you know, might maybe end up taking her for granted. Look, I make no secret about it on this podcast about uh, I live a pretty, pretty decent single lifestyle. Feel pretty good about it too. I think one of the things that helps me feel good about it is I maintain high levels of androgens all year long. You know, I'm I'm either taking juice for for a little cycle I'm running, or I'm using herbals, which just bring my my mood. It just elevates it, makes me feel unstoppable. You know, it's that those herbs that AC generate. You know, those ancient herbs fucking do it for me so it's real easy for me not to get like all lonely and all sad and you know because um my androgen levels are so high that's what's gonna that's you know and 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 in order for you to pair with a female successfully your androgen levels kind of need to drop a little bit it's there's a study out there's a medical journal that we found that men, when they pair with a female, their natural testosterone production drops somewhat to, I mean, to a noticeable degree. And I would agree that that happens because, you know, uh, it makes you stray less so you can pair. It makes you maybe a little bit less aggressive if they're going to be young ones around the way. It's, you know, evolution working, doing its magic, doing its thing. Once you pair with a female, you don't need all this testosterone. You don't. You need to, you need a little bit less to make you stay close to her and bring up these offspring so they can have more offspring. The, uh, and we keep carrying on and we keep carrying on that trait as uh, as natural uh, selection would have it. Right. Where pair with a female, your, your, your androgen levels drop and you don't feel like strain as much. What was that? Steve? Yeah. Then you just jump in. I'll let you finish out. But if you look at the, the divorce rates among age groups, that proves it right there. You look at the divorce rate from people who get married as teenagers, like, you know, if you're 17, 18, 19, you get married, your divorce rates like in the seventies, you get either married in your twenties, your divorce rates in your sixties, you get married in your thirties, your divorce rates in your fifties, the older you get married, like people who get married in their fifties and sixties, the divorce rates much lower twenties and 30 percentile. So the younger you get married, the higher chance you have a divorce. And it has to do with what Rick just said. 
And that, I mean, there's several other reasons for that too, obviously, but that is a big one. It's because your hormones are, are still raging. Your androgens are so high that you want to stray and you don't want to be stuck with the same person for the next 60 years. You want to stray, um, you know, so marrying the first person to give you a hand job, you know, doesn't work. The, the odds of uh, marriage surviving long-term is not, is not good. That's why you see so many people get married young and they get divorced. That's probably, you know, an example right there. So, so finish up the show, Rick. Yeah. With your final thoughts on that. I gave you everything I had on that subject for now. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's, Mommy, that's a yeah. lot for you that subject for now. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, that does it guys. So this is episode 389. We're speeding right along. We're going to be at 400 soon, Rick. You know what I'm saying? So. All right. Good deal. Hey, yeah. have a good one, Steve. Have a guy. Guys, this is the required legal disclaimer. We are only sharing our experience from years of steroid use. We are not doctors, and none of what we say should be regarded as medical advice. Always check with your doctor before taking any drugs or starting any training program.